Welcome back to WitGIF Conversations. This is the podcast where we talk to staff and pupils about topics that are relevant to you. Today, we're talking to Paul Elliott, head of science at WitGift. And you know, I love episodes like this one. I didn't know Paul before the recording, but I immediately discovered he's a very likable character. And I think you'll agree when you hear him too. Paul talks about how he got into science, chemistry in particular, but he talks all disciplines in science. So while we do hear about chemistry, we also hear about physics, biology, and engineering too, as well as discovering what a screaming jelly baby is all about. You'll have to wait to hear why he talks about that. This isn't the kind of episode I was expecting. It's actually one of my favourites here at Whitgift. I probably shouldn't say that. So let's get into it now as we speak to Whitgift's head of science. It's Paul Elliott. Paul, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you today? Actually, very good. Uh, it's been a busy week. We've had a power cut in the school yesterday. So off the back of that, it's been uh, interesting days, but uh, we're looking forward to half term. So that's another aspect we're looking forward to. Fantastic. And we're recording this at lunchtime. Now, you, you told me before we hit the record <laughs> button that, that you're going to enjoy some tomato soup. Yeah, so I'm particularly looking forward to the soup because it gives me some sort of fresh kind of vegetable, but not just on, on vegetables on their own. So kind of low carb. Um, so looking at the science behind it, if you want that one. But I think the, the reality is that uh, um, I, do, I do a bit of triathlon. So it's good to kind of uh, every now and then make sure your body's un under control. Paul, let's jump into science and tell us about, okay. well, first of all, tell us how long you've been at Whitgift for and, and actually what your role is there at school. It's a frightening thing, Simon. Um, I've been here at Whitgift for 20 years now. The only reason I know that is because my daughter was born just when we got here in November after moving here and she's just had her 20th birthday. So that means I, I know how long I've been here. I think you know, what I do, I started off life when I first joined Whitgift as head of chemistry and then within a year, a year moved on to become head of science um, as the old head of science left. I've done various jobs as, as, as well as head of science. So I've, I've looked after basketball at Wicked. Oh, okay. Uh, well, actually developed basketball, I suppose. Mm -hmm. I've done rugby uh, in terms of coach the uh, under 16s. I've also been head of boarding while we weren't really a boarding school, but we, we did look after borders and that led into the kind of boarding that we know at the moment. Uh, health and safety. I'm, I'm, I'm technically I'm the vice chair of health and safety. Um, it sounds like a tedious kind of job, mm -hmm. but actually, it obviously there are key points, particularly what we had when COVID was around uh, about looking after that. And then, but my primary role, uh, gotta be honest, is teaching chemistry is my subject uh, of choice. And then within that, obviously, looking after the science faculty, which is about forty-two people in to in total technicians and teachers. Yeah, that, that's a sizable science department. And of course, you know, I imagine that when people think of the science department at school, they think about the teachers straight away. But of course, you've got the technicians there who are doing a lot of the work preparing for different lessons, aren't they? I've got to be honest, the beating heart of, of, of obviously what we do, they are a, a really vital part of the team, the technicians. And so I would like to give a shout out to them in terms of the podcast. I know later on there'll be, a, I think one of the next podcasts is Erin, one of our biology technicians, and who looks after the animals and does a special kind of job there. But yeah, they're vital in terms of what we like to do. I think part of our DNA at Wicked in terms of science is actually the fact that we like to do practical work. Um, so given that, we, we do need the support of technicians because they produce the chemicals, they put the stuff out, and they make it happen uh, in, a, in, a, in a very simple way, really. Mm -hmm. So yes, they are a vital part of our cog. 
And and you mentioned about teaching chemistry. Of course, it sounds to me then like chemistry is your is your is your, is your largest passion of the three. But I'm sure that you give equal weighting, of course, to physics and biology. But but tell me personally, what it is about chemistry that grabbed you when you were younger? I guess I've got to be really honest with you. I think I, I've told boys this myself. It's actually chemistry. I mean, science is a vibrant, living thing. I think ultimately. It's always progressing. That's what caught my imagination when I was was younger. But when I was doing my O-levels, pre-GCSEs, I, I was good at English. My, my English teacher was saying, you know, do drama. I, I was doing all the school plays. I was good at sport. The reality of, you know, history. My history teacher said, do this. You've got to do this at A-level. The funny thing was, I actually was in, in Holland. I did my O-levels in Holland in the, in the British school there. My family happened to move for my sick form and I end up in the UK in England for the first time because I was born in Ireland but actually moved around the world with my family following oil around the world so in one sense there's sort of obviously chemistry in my background in my DNA with my dad working for BP I think the reality when we got to come to England for the first time and choose my A-levels you sit there and you go look at oh I'm, I'm good at all these different subjects I think maths was my first choice and then further maths to back that up. And physics, I really enjoyed physics. So I thought I'll do physics. And then I came to this kind of the fourth choice for A-level. And I actually chose geography. And chemistry was, was fifth, but not one of my choices initially. And then I got my grades from my O-levels. And the only, at the time they didn't have an A star then, so the A was the top mark. The only B I got was in geography. So I was, I was faced with, I thought, oh, I can't be good at geography then. I'm, I'm going to have to choose something else and ironically all my class back in Holland were remarked and the teacher when when they, they came back to school in the sixth form they got they, have, they can't have this mark so they all got remarked and all got went up by one but he didn't put my name forward to have a remark really so so I chose because I was I'd gone I was in a different school now and I chose chemistry as my last choice and I say fifth choice but I think ultimately in the course of I think when I talk to people about you know some people's have a clear trajectory in terms of where they're going they have an idea i'm going to do medicine i'm going to do engineering i'm going to do this i chose the a levels because i thought this were the ones i like and then chemistry became over the course of the two years became the one subject i think this is actually i can see it now i can see where chemistry is going toolkit i had when i did my o levels i began to use and began to understand it and really in the course of that the subject won me over so the only thing I applied to when I came to obviously applying for universities was then for chemistry or natural sciences as it came. And that's that's where my love, I suppose, of chemistry grew because of the innate interest that kind of the subject drew from me. I think then, you know, that's choosing a subject at university, thinking, what do I do with that? But just I, I came to choose something. I thought this is the best subject for me. Really enjoyed it. And you find something that just kind of resonates with you. And that's that's where it came from, where the choice of chemistry came from. Paul, your storytelling is fantastic here. This sounds almost like a romance novel. You're, you're coming together <laughs> with chemistry. This is fantastic. I love it. Yeah, yeah. You're also involved in Whitgift's primary project. Tell me, first of all, what that is and what that's all about. Well, I think one of the key things about the school is to look and get involved with the community, understand, obviously, where pupils are coming from as well that might apply to us. But more than that, because obviously the, the community project we do, the primary school project, which has been running for uh, over over 15 years now, is actually that we want to share what we have as well with the community. So 
part of the week when a school comes in, a primary school comes into Whitgift, part of that week is actually given over to certain lessons, whether it be languages, whether it be computer science, and one of those is a, a science lesson. So there's an opportunity there to pick up on something where they maybe study something in their primary school, but actually have the facilities here to obviously go beyond what a primary school can do. So we have that privilege to bring young people in and just open up the world of science to them. How I got involved with that, I mean, I, I've put together, obviously we had, a, we had an opportunity to talk to this, the primary teachers and just say, what lessons would you like us to do? So we put a menu together, we, we've got animals, which obviously again, Aaron will be talking about the animal room and the animals we have in the, the science area. Uh, we said we could do that. We could do some, well, we could do some electronics. We could do some circuits. And then we came down to this. We could also do some physical or chemical changes. And we used to give a menu now to choose one of these four bespoke. We've created these lessons. What would you like? We've given up giving the menu because everyone chose the physical and chemical changes one. I just said, well, because we can use Bunsen burners and we can actually... Uh, just get the excitement of, of heating things and seeing real visceral changes in front of you. So I think that that's the primary thing is that they come in, we introduce them to, I said, we, you're entering, when you walk through that door, you're entering into a world of science. Um, and I think science has got three different lenses on it, really. You can see the reality of saying, it's what I see, it's what I measure, it's what I observe. And for that that part of the lesson where they actually take a Bunsen burner. I mean, the fun for primary school is actually lighting a Bunsen burner is, is fun in itself. Um, and you don't want to take that away from them. It's like, but that's just part of it. That's just the heating thing. Um, and then they heat some different substances and see what happens. And the key thing we're saying is write this down. What do you observe? What do you see? What do you smell? What do you, what do you sense in terms of actually um, feel? You feel vibrations and things like that. So getting them to actually understand what they see in front of them. And then interpreting that. The, the other lens of science is actually then what a, what a particle level, an understanding of what makes up those particles and what changes. And the final lens of science is really the, the language we use, which is, you know, we come to equations and things like that, describing those changes in a language which you can transfer to somebody else. So I think all three aspects of that comes into play in terms of that just a simple lesson with primary sector um, emphasizing obviously the, the observational and the kind of visceral feel of chem of chemistry effectively but um, on top of that is actually saying right you guys can actually communicate this in a language will help you understand and begin to use so that I think is a just a powerful way to say and the joy really of people coming out and saying yeah that's brilliant excellent and I think go home talk to parents about this we do a we do little demos as well. So the one that they really like is the screaming jelly baby. We put a jelly baby in a hot bath of, of an oxygen supply, really. And that sort of thing, we think the combination of learning, teaching, but also exposure to, to raw science that actually says, you know, brings a smile to faces, just kind of that memorable aspect, I think is really what part of our DNA at Wicked as well and what we want to do with our science. Now, hold on a second. We're not going to let that screaming jelly baby pass by and pass us by. So in a bath of oxygen, did you say? Tell me what happens here. Obviously, we cheat a little bit. Um, the, the reality is, obviously, first of all, we take a jelly baby. Uh, the, the first question I'd ask is, what does a jelly baby have in it that really we all like? And most of them come back with sugar. 
Um, the point is it's not raw sugar. It's got a nice little coating around it to protect the sugar. So the first thing we've got to do, I've got to be honest, we've got to actually uh, thump the jelly baby, squash him a bit and open up the kind of outer coating to expose the sugar. And we know that actually um, when we do the experiment, we say to them, right, if I gave you a whole packet of jelly babies, that you've got to be very careful because what amount of energy is stored inside just one jelly baby? So we take this one jelly baby and we heat up an oxidizing agent. So what does that mean? It just means that it's a chemical potassium chlorate that actually has oxygen within it. So we don't, out in space, if you've got a rocket or something like that, you don't have any oxygen. So you've got to provide the oxygen in a chemical form. So this has got an oxidizing agent. We just heat it up. So we give it a warm bath. So it melts into a liquid. We drop the jelly baby into the, this oxidizing agent. And clearly what happens is the sugar in the jelly baby reacts with the oxygen just like it does inside us in terms of our reactions, we'd say. You know, our, what does every cell do in our body? Every cell in our body, well, it respires. And respiration is taking glucose and oxygen and releasing energy as a, as a life-sustaining process. So we just do that visibly in front of them. Clearly, that reaction is not happening inside our bodies. It's a bit more complicated than just this kind of very explosive reaction. But obviously that's why we say, you know, at the end of the day, when you see this geyser of energy with steam coming out and the smell of uh, candy floss permeates the room, and I go, wow, look at the energy in that. And you go, that's why you never, ever, ever eat a whole packet of jelly babies yourself. You should always share, particularly with your teachers. So yeah, we use, use it kind of like, you know, that's our little lesson in life, tied into the fact that actually, you know, these are remarkable experiments in themselves, but just, little mementos of what you can learn in, in science. This is fantastic. We're getting a free science lesson here. This feels like Christmas lectures at Christmas time. <laughs> you can sign up for those as well if you want to. <laughs> okay, so it's great to hear about the Whitgift Primary Project. Tell us about other innovative programmes or other initiatives going on with current students then. Yeah, so I think, you know, the, the very factor in, in, the, in the, every, obviously, science faculty in, in every school, you've got, I think, key teachers in terms of actually expressing their passion for, for science. And then you've got obviously the curriculum that we, we need to deliver. But on, on top of that, it's actually saying, how do you get that interest and that spark that says, actually, this is where real science comes into play. So we have got current projects um, for in chemistry. We've actually got a, what's called the Mycetoma project, where we've got some sick formers who, lower sick who've actually uh, committed to doing one day, one afternoon a week. So a couple of hours to about three hours on a Wednesday or Tuesday alternating. And what we're doing is working with City University, with uh, York University to actually frontline drug research, really. There's a, there's a fungus that actually is prevalent in certain areas where you tend to have maybe paddy fields or wet wet kind of fields and people who work in those fields if they've got any cut or um yeah any kind of injury to their foot this fungus can come in through their foot and cause severe uh, problems severe disease possibly even death um and so there is no cure for this at the moment it's a rare disease but it does affect many people so we are actually working on the front line of drug research with our sick formers we're working with these universities. They're providing us with a basis 
of this molecule, if we can build this molecule. Normally, if you were working with drugs or developing drugs, what a company would do would take some robotic machinery and you'd take a lead compound and you'd make 500 or so deviations from that compound. You'd actually you'd take a core molecule and modify it and then you'd test it for its response toxicity-wise and effectiveness in terms of that. What this, what we're doing here with this project is actually the company, the, the, the universities are, and the company that's developing this is farming out to schools the ability to kind of work with them and to build these different molecules. Wow. Then actually they'll be get sent back to the university for analysis so we make sure we've actually made the right thing. That's a very important thing in terms <laughs> of drug making. <laughs> Um, and then they'll test their efficacy. They'll test what's happening in terms of their activity and their toxicity. So if we've done it right, if we follow the method right, and it's challenging, it's, it's skills that pupils are learning. So we're teaching them some skills, uh, advance and ahead of time in terms of where they, what they'll learn further in chemistry. And we'll actually teach them some skills that actually they'll only come across at university. Uh, and we're actually... It would be privileged to, to, to be now a lead school in the project. We, we thought we were kind of one of three, uh, and then we found out we're actually the only one who's producing anything at the moment. So that's kind of like a nice booster, a nice kind of um, feel-good factor. But obviously we'll be, we'll be working with those other schools. They're going to come and see us some, sometime soon next term just to see what we're doing. Uh, and we can actually spread this as a... Because obviously the more that can get involved, the better. But that's one aspect. Uh, in biology, we've, we've, we've started or biomedicine effectively we've we've just launched a diploma where we're running a lecture series uh, every thursday after school and some other schools some some local kind of state schools and another one of our uh, fellow schools the foundation old palace are coming along and undergoing uh, an hour lecture uh, on different aspects so we're looking at pharmacology this this term uh, last time they were looking uh, anatomy and so this is a precursor i suppose if you're interested in in medicine or in pharmacology or in aspects of kind of biology and biochemistry and they'll get a they'll actually they've done some dissections so they've actually dissected sorry about this they dissected a rabbit so there's two people per rabbit and then this this thursday they're actually going to make some aspirin so in terms of pharmacology how, how do we make one of the one of the wonder drugs of the century or last century to be fair where from actually pain relief to anticoagulants, that's what aspirin can do. Recommended now that possibly every person should have an aspirin a day. Personally, I'm, not, I'm probably not going to say that, but um, the, the, that, that's, that's where obviously making drugs, understanding drugs, really important stuff. So those are just two aspects of, of what we're doing at the moment. I could go further. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned chemistry and biology. It, yeah, it kind of makes sense if there's anything in the world of physics as well. We don't want to leave one out. Well, there's physics and there's engineering as well. So ultimately, yes, physics trips to CERN. In fact, I've got to be honest, the, the physics department are going trip mad at the moment. They, I, I challenged them at the beginning of the year. Could we get some more trips from you? I've now got to stop them. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many trips. Well, I think, well, the obvious one is CERN and there's a, there's a regular... Uh, every two years a trip to CERN so that any physicist who's actually got exposure in the sixth form to physics goes to the work, one of the hearts of, of where, you know, the reality of particle accelerators and, and how you actually smash particles together and make and look for the, the hunt for various new particles. Mm -hmm. That's, that in itself is obviously challenging and pushing, but also the, the observatory trip they just did, 
just to kind of understand the kind of looking at the the museum there we're looking at the kind of machinery and how we actually use and look at stars so i think you know massive massive up for physics there in terms of actually the trips they do i think engineering wise just to kind of just to highlight the fact that in terms of stem we are i think we actually right and say we are the european champions at the moment in the um we have a, a green powered car and we've run that project now for about eight eight years matt taylor one of our current teachers here won the championship last year i think we were told at the time actually this is now the europe we was we were look at the british championship and then they said actually it's the european one as well so um unbeknown to us we became european champions i think um but that's basically a project where we design and build a car and race it the boys race it mm-hmm. um and we're actually that there's a i think we're on the fourth iteration now so mark four with Mark III being a very successful car, but we think we can actually improve it even further. Mm-hmm. So every year, that's that's kind of like, that's just like engineering and, and Formula One and things like that. So every year they, they bring new challenges, or they actually add more complexity to the car. And that, at a basic level, green-powered car, obviously uh, in about 20 years' time, we should be stopping our petrol cars and our diesel cars. Where do we go? So um, it's, it's, that's one for the future. I think so many aspects from Crest to uh, other clubs that we do, to the animal club itself, which we talked about before. Various opportunities for someone to get involved and say, look, where can science take me? Paul, this is so good hearing you talk about this. And actually what our listeners can't see right now, but I can see because you and I are talking online, it's the it's the huge smile on your face when you're talking about all of this. But actually, even though our listeners can't see that, I think they can probably hear it in your voice. And you're clearly someone who is passionate about, well, not just about science, but also about teaching, but also about running the science department, because yeah. all of that's clearly coming through. I'm keeping an eye on time. I'm going to sneak in a last question, which is that you, you mentioned about Erin and the Animal Club. I'm going to hear from her uh, in a few episodes time not sure exactly what what date that's coming out but tell me about what other co-curricular clubs there are that people should know about this crest which i've mentioned was basically an award scheme but it it does mean that pupils come along to that club they're encouraged to think about uh, a project there may be defined areas but within that they then design and, and create an experimental um setup and they can then follow that through in terms of with experimental work and justify their theories or their thoughts. Um, and that's basically a crest leads to a crest award. I mean, there's there's not necessarily co-creator, but obviously we do IB and we actually do within that like a group four project. I think that that's been a, a highlight of our science kind of calendar. Within that course, we actually they have to get t- together as a community. So everyone who does IB um has to do a group four subject which is a science and then towards the end of their first year they are given a project title and they have to meet together decide in their groups come up with experiments test them out present them in a business presentation and wow us with their skills and their repertoire and that's it's really remarkable how how much they've come up and that's all in a week they've got to do that well actually with three days so the last one we did was at pirate science. How to, you know how to how to how can science help a pirate live and thrive? And last year, you know, amazing stuff from kind of like uh, how to well looking at sails and how we can actually increase the sailing power of a, of a sailing ship to gunpowder to uh, rum uh, and what can you do with rum both in a medical field as well as a kind of um, uh, developing the alcohol of it. So. Pupils just kind of have to kind of present that, not just to kind of uh, pupils, but to parents and to staff. And I think that that to me is one of the pinnacles of 
of what we're creating to do here is actually not just the science, but the communication of it. And the boys themselves become that very thing. Obviously, we, th we think we're passionate, and then we look at see the passion that comes out of them. And that then that closes the loop for me that I think if I can see that happen, that we actually are helping people become passionate about the science they're enjoying and they're studying, then we feel actually that's, that's our job done. We've actually succeeded not just in teaching, but in their learning and also in their, in their wider vista of what science can actually possibly do to help in life. And if, if any, not everyone leaves Wickift with, you know, with, with an A-level in science, aiming to go to university to do science. But if everyone at some point has been touched by the reality of what science is there to do and how we can explore and push that further and appreciate even just what science is in our lives, then I think that's our, that's our task as a teacher ticked off. Paul, I love it. I really do. It's been great talking to you and genuinely really quite, well, I was going to say almost emotional about science. I mean, you know, this is <laughs> this is coming from someone who didn't do science at A-level or, or IB, of course. But um, but yeah, no, it's been really good talking to you. I should leave you now to go back to your lunch and to enjoy that tomato soup, but without the potato or the bread. But thank you so much for being here and thanks for opening up this world of science to us all today. Appreciate your time as well, Simon. Thank you. So that was Paul Elliott, Head of Science, currently enjoying a tomato soup at the time of me recording this outro. And rightly so too. Paul, thank you for giving up your lunch break to talk about science. So good to hear how you talk about this. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.